Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hello, everyone. You are tuned to the MC Lars podcast. This is episode 95. It is June 22nd, 2020, and uh, the summer is flying by. Things are relaxing with the corona, but are they? People are, I don't know what to believe. People are like going to gyms, but then people are getting sick. I don't know. All I know is that I'm grateful that I'm healthy, my family's healthy, and hopefully you guys are healthy and everyone you know is healthy. And um, I've been doing a lot of work to try to stay productive. Like I did, I've been doing Sunday uh, switch days where I'm streaming on Twitch. I'm bringing back 27th Street, uh, working on new music, new videos, trying to make the best of this quarantine. This is episode 95, and this is a very special episode because this is a conversation I had with a friend of mine who is a close internet email friend since like 25 years ago, since 95, since 1995. So it's kind of cool how that lined up numerically. Um I'll talk more about it in a bit, but before we get into that, let's kick off the episode as we always do with Letters to Atlas. This is a call that, uh, a message that Jared and Michelle Way left giving Atlas a shout out. Is he sleeping? Is he pooping? Just checking in. How's a little boy doing? These are some messages that you left. Wishing our little baby boy the best. Now it's time for Letters to Atlas. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, Atlas. I'm calling for Jared and Michelle Way. We just wanted to welcome you to the world and tell you what awesome parents you have. And we can't wait to see the the nerd that you become. Hope you have a great life. Thank you, Jared and Michelle. That was super tight. If you want to leave Atlas a message, that's our son who was born May 2nd, you can call the secret number. It's 510-463-4237. Again, that's 510-463-4237. Not, and not only will Atlas hear the message, it will be on the podcast. So leave a message to our son if you want, and uh, we'll play it, and uh, that'll be tight. Okay. Now it is time to shout out the Patreon Larsons. I am finishing up the Marvel Comics MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe songs. I've got the Spider-Man song dropping this week and the Doctor Strange song. I'd made an album about um, the books and stories from the Bible, which the Patreon homies are going to get mad early before everyone else. But I want to shout out the Patreon Larson. Shout out to the new ones, Sean, Luca, and Dead Pirate Danku, who actually signed up after the Twitch stream yesterday. And shout out to the old ones, William, Gianna, and Phil. Y'all are keeping me going. Patreon.com slash MCLarge. You get access to the entire back catalog. You get merch. You get shout-outs, you get instrumentals, you get essays, you get behind-the-scenes videos. It's just tight. Okay, let's get into it. So today's episode is with Doug Burke, a.k.a. Phone Freak. And uh, we met through our shared love of prank calls. We recorded this right before, well, right at the beginning of the lockdown. And uh, he works on the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. And he's a stand-up comedian and a podcaster. But he has a day job working for the school system. So on the podcast, we talk about our cassette collection our tape trading back in the day we talk about our memories of like we would send each other these tapes like he talks about how he discovered me online and then we would email each other and we would send each other art and mixtapes and we build this like strong friendship just through email and our love of rare underground tapes and we never met in real life we actually never talked on the phone so this was the first time like i actually saw his face him and a friend of mine chris van horn who we talk about who was part of latrine 
Um, Chris got me into Insane Clown Posse years ago, like in 95, and I tried to get Doug into ICP. And even though he was from Michigan, he talks about how certain things he was into, certain things were not. But this dude made a tape. It's called Phone Freak Is the was his artist name, and the album's called The Telephone Experience. And I remember he always used to say he had two career goals, to be a cartoonist and to be a uh, professional phone pranker. Because the Jerky Boys could do it. Hey, why not? But that inspired me. Like having this friend online who was very receptive and supportive of my art and my love of weird music and prank calls. And um, yeah, who made his own prank calls. So you can find his album on the Phone Losers uh, prank call media pack. Phonelosers.com slash torrent. It's the 2020 media pack. And this is on it. Um, what I like about his tape is that it... It's not a typical prinkle tape. He's nice. He called. He talks about this in the interview. He called people trying to like give him a hard time, but he ends up just being like strangely awkwardly nice. And so it's like a funny. Like he says he didn't think it's that funny, but I think this tape is so great because it's reflective of the love of just doing something, creating something DIY, not caring if it was like going to be platinum record but having fun with it but also just like it's a very like unorthodox prank all tape because <laughs> pranks are all like weird and <laughs> discursive and like um he'll be like okay i hope you have a good day like he's very genuine and sweet and he throws people off so we're going to end the interview with a track i did called funky phone freak where i recorded his pranks and i play guitar over the uh, kick the pa corn and dust brothers track which is a song from the spawn soundtrack and i thought the breakbeat was tight so i took it i use that breakbeat a lot on a lot of my songs in middle school um but anyway that's the song that we end with but also what's interesting is we talk about sobriety and I know a lot of like comedians have podcasts where they talk about sobriety and they go on and on and on and on. But you know, me as a sober person who just had a four year anniversary holler, um, it's cool to talk to other people who have found their sobriety. And, um, yeah, it's, we had an intense email friendship. Like when we were kids, like it's hard, it's hard being a kid, but like in the early ages of the internet, it was really fresh to meet people like Doug. And I feel like some people you are destined to meet. He tells a story. I'm going to wrap up this intro quickly, but tell the story about how he was at Hot Topic and a friend of his, like a punk rock friend of his was working there and they were playing Hot Topic is not punk rock. And Doug was like, wait, I, I recognize this voice. And the guy's like, yeah, it's MC Lars. So Doug gave him my t-shirt, the first shirt I ever made. Um, it had like a picture of me with a gas mask and on the back it said, I'd like to sing a t-shirt, a song called the t-shirt song. Move over MC Hammer. So, um, yeah, so this is my interview with a dude I was happy to meet with and connect with on the internet. Um, I ask him a lot of questions about driving the school bus. I, that becomes like a third of this. And we talk about Phantasm a lot, his favorite movie. Um, oh, and the last thing is he asked me about any shows that were canceled. And I say, well, only one was, I'm, but I am playing a show in Philly in late June. That's not happening. So for context, the Philly show, Too Many Games with Twisted and Shape for the Dark Lord. That is postponed for now. As for shows, I'm playing at Con on the Cob in October uh, outside of Cleveland. Um, and that's it. I might have a show in Sacramento like in later in the year, and I might have a New Year's show. But, you know, things are still weird, man. But the Nerdcore 2021 tour is being booked. It's going to kick off in Rochester in March next year. So stay tuned for that. Wow, this is a long intro. But um, I wanted to give context for this exciting reconnection with an old friend from a quarter of a century ago, Doug Burke, AKA phone freak. Check it out. Y'all. Mm -hmm.
I'm glad this is the first time we've talked in real life on video. Yeah, yeah, and it's the first time we've <laughs> talked in in years, like other than email and stuff like that. Yeah. Can I talk about the prank call stuff, or do you want to keep that private? We could talk about anything and everything you want to talk about, buddy. You and I connected because we created tapes back in the day through the internet. Correct. 1995, and I think I started. I sent an email to you in the end of 95, beginning of 96. Oh my gosh. And that's where we we connected. We were pretty inseparable, I think, through email and whatnot for quite a while. And we sent a lot of tapes and art and stuff back and forth over the years. (laughs) And your encouragement always meant a lot to me, man. I wanted to say that. And I still appreciate you. Likewise, man. I I I uh I I was very much the same feeling on on my end, man. Like you were somebody who I didn't really get to see. It was we met we met at a time that most kids nowadays aren't gonna understand because we still had dial-up phones we didn't have cell phones we had dial-up internet and we didn't have the capability that you and i are talking to each other right now back then we just had email snail mail and and uh i remember being uh, we got the internet i think in 95 at our school at our middle school and they had to explain to us what uh this is back like during netscape days yeah and Jer- jerky boys was really popular nwa was really popular and i remember falling in love with all of these different aspects of pop culture and when i figured out what the internet was the first thing i did was start searching for the things i loved i really loved guar back then and i loved right. pr- prank phone calls and yours was the first i think it was the first and only site at that time that came up for prank phone calls the art the art of prank calls if i'm not mistaken yeah and it was because- because I was hosting on my mom's account and I early HTML and I it was in a directory of 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 internet sites like back then like an actual yellow pages of URLs Lycos and yeah, yeah I remember like that <laughs> yours was the first one to come when you typed in prank call into a, a search engine your page was the first one to come up and I remember it being littered with all of your. Um, your Microsoft Paint artwork, which still to me, right. your artwork has has advanced, but it still has that same like kind of like <laughs> The Simpsons. Like The Simpsons, you could tell in the early seasons compared to now, where it looks similar, but it but it's refined itself a little bit. That's very nice, thank you, Doug. Um, I always appreciated your your artistic ability and your de- attention to detail, and you um and your taste, and you would send me your some of your pranks and some of your mixtapes and stuff and like i always i still have all that stuff and i and i think it's tight i do too i think it's tight i I, (laughs) I, well i will i will say thank you um but i i I have every prank call tape that you and i traded i have every prank call tape i traded with chris from latrine what other ones do you remember i remember phone 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 losers of america was a big one i remember because i i wanted to hear those guys and i could never get a hold of him i loved your interview with him um oh thanks for listening yeah it was awesome man i, I love stuff like that that brings me back to a simpler time because now i'm I'm less than a month away from 40 and everything just feels just not as cool as it used to feel back then. But, um, yeah, like he was, he was a big one. I tried to track down and I ended up getting, I think a copy of his tape from you. I got most of the bulk of my collection. I think I got from you. Did you see Doug that he put out the torrent of like all the tapes? No, did he? So there's a, like a 200 gigabyte torrent where he, I sent, 
uh, that guy Brad all my collection and he digitized it and put it online. So it's it's big, but it's all there, man. Dude, that yeah. I gotta okay. Now I gotta find that website. I want to go back and listen. I because that's what I've been doing lately is I've been re-listening to stuff I love, the Ball Busters, um, the old Jerky Boys, but uh, Musasha tapes. Oh my god, I oh, forgot yeah. those. Those still hold up for me, man. Some of the Jerky <laughs> Boys not so much, but Musasha tapes is is pretty hardcore. Good hold up. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Michigan? I or? did. I grew up um, in Kingsford, Michigan. It's a small town in upper Michigan. Uh, and then around the time when I started talking to you is when we moved to Florida. And I, I spent 20, 24, 25 years in Florida. And then I moved back here. What brought you back to Michigan? I could I could tell you a, a lot of different things I could things I've told people over the years but the reality is, is I had a, a really bad drug problem and mm. it, it got to the point where it felt like every day I would every day it felt it's like that Nine Inch Nails song every day is exactly the same and that's kind of what it felt like I felt like I'd wake yeah. up wake up at the same time smoke a couple cigarettes go to work come home get high and spend the rest of the evening rinse repeat do it the same day it just it, after two or three years of doing that i got fed up and i kept telling myself um you listen to podcasts every day like you you, you love comedy and you listen to like all these different comedians podcasts like this is something you should probably try and do if you don't do it now you're never going to do it and i think that was my way of getting myself off my ass because when i'm not in an environment where there's addicting things, things that I'm addicted to, then there's no chance for me to even bother scraping. I'll be, I, it, to me, it's like a fight or flight fight with the idea that you have to go cold turkey. And that's kind of what I did. I, I left and I was going to go to LA. I drove to LA, got to LA two days after I left Florida. And I realized that I didn't understand anything about having to move out on my own. I didn't realize how expensive it was to live in LA. And, mm. uh, and I basically came, I had all my family was up here and everyone's like, you know what, you need to just kind of clean out and get, get straight, come up here. And that's kind of what I've done. I've just kind of changed shit around, got a, got a decent, hard, you know, honest living uh, that I make now. And uh, I'm just kind of reconnecting with everybody. That's pretty much the last two years. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on that. You Thank made you. good choices. <laughs> Thank you. And for me, I've been sober about four years it's really bizarre when i think about i have a 12-year stretch of my life where i was smoking crushed up pills out of coke cans and trailer parks you know it's it's bizarre to think about it because it's not something you ever think you're going to get into as as a kid and then when you're in it you don't really know anything else other than wanting to meet the fix and then once you get out of it like you said I, i'm only two years sober from pills i'm, I'm a little month uh, over a month sober from alcohol completely um and uh, it's it sounds ridiculous because when I was in that state of mind, I hated people who would tell me like, oh, man, being sober is where it's at, bro. You got to be high on life. And now I'm one of those fucking people. That's dope. Like I ex I eat better. I, ex I walk to work every day. I hit the gym. Like I never thought I'd be that kind of person, but I am. Good work, Doug. And I'm yeah, I mean, I saw your Instagram post, you working out. I was like, hey, proud of this man. Never thought in a million years that would be me. Holy moly. And then you live longer. That's the, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing nobody really tells you, I think. Well, no one's going to tell you, but opiates, uh, in my experience, um, didn't make me really want to live a life. It just made me want to numb everything out. After a while, that's mm. what it became. And then after a while of numbing things out, it, it became... Um, how can I stop from hurting when I don't have enough of what I need to, to numb things out? And then it just becomes a cycle where you're doing shit you never thought you'd do in a million years just to get your fix, you know? And 
I don't have that anymore. Like I'm actually saving money. I'm doing like, like now I actually feel like I want to live life before I didn't want to. Now I do. Are you still drawing and doing art? Uh, I haven't drawn in a while. I get a lot of shit from people uh, about it. My, my folks especially, but it's, it's um, th- there's a lot of things I'm just dipping my toes back into the water, finding my confidence again. Like when I, when I, I've tried to draw in the last year or so. And, uh, every time I do, I just, I crumple it up and throw it away. I don't like it. That's when you bring up, when you bring up the prank call tapes, it's like, I don't ever want to listen to those ever again. I felt like I was just calling people and trying to fake having a decent conversation. Like I, I had all these ideas that I wanted to do that were funny and they were kind of raunchy. And then once I'd get somebody get on the phone, I'm like, I don't want to be an asshole to this person. (laughs) You're too nice, right? <laughs> That's you. You paid me a compliment when I sent you that first cassette tape. You're like, this is really, and then you wrote a review, and you're like, this, this is really clean. He he hits the mark. He's honest and humble about himself. I'm like, I am not hearing the same person that you're hearing. But I, Godspeed, man. I appreciate the love. <laughs> You weren't, yeah, you weren't cruel to people, and that was like, it's a fine line, right? Because like phone losers, he's funny because he's never mean. He just riles people up, right? That's like. The, the fine line yeah he screws with people he's he's like a tro- yeah. he's the perfect original troll i think right i remember years ago we we're talking about your plans and you talked about you wanted to be a professional prank caller i'm lucky if i have enough ambition to force myself to go to the gym um my my only dreams now is to just kind of keep on the path that i've been living like it, it sound i think it sounds cheesy as every word comes out of my mouth but um my dad and i didn't talk for like eight years during that period and now my dad is like my best buddy. Like we talk about movies that we love. I turn him on to TV shows that he gets hooked into. We go, we, we do more things together now. And I think yeah. that's kind of my, my goal. Like, I don't know if I have a career goal just as much as I want to spend as much time with somebody that I wasted so much of it, not spending with, you know what I mean? If that makes any sense. When you're young and you see p- older people acting a certain way, you don't ever think about how it might be when you're older you think oh i'll never be like that and then one day you wake up you're like oh going to the gym makes me happy eating healthy makes me happy hanging with my dad makes me happy these are like that's kind of cool thing about life that like profoundly what drives us changes so it's never going to be boring if you can be in that mind state right you feel me exactly man exactly and i see it with your dad too i mean i I don't know a whole. I mean, it's like it's been a while since we've talked, but like it seems like you've got that same thing with your dad, where you take him on too. I don't know if you still do. I know you. He was coming on and opening for you, but I think that was awesome too. You know, I think if you find <laughs> if you find common ground with the people who made you, especially at a point in your life when you understand what they went through and what you're going through and what you want, I think there's nothing better. Like. I think it's it's bizarre to me that my dad's my buddy, but we talk to each other every day on the phone now and just share stupid jokes with each other. It's it's not something I ever thought I'd want it, but it's something I have, and I and I kind of don't want to let it go right now. Well, it's something that your sobriety has brought you, right? In a way, yeah. Or have helped oh, helped with. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You're saying that you're helping him with stuff with the um out coronavirus stuff. Like, how's all that going? It's okay. I'm just you know my my mother just got done. Um, she just had cancer cut out of her um and she's she's better and all that but i mean since that started i kind of start i started going there every weekend they live about an hour from me now and yeah. uh i just i'm my brother lives about two and a half hours away from from them so i i just kind of would go up every weekend and take care of them do it if they needed anything done eat a free meal get my laundry done by my mom which it, it's a right. trade-off you know it's but it, it's, right. it's a good trade-off and uh yeah anything he's like is it with with helping my mom out like it took a lot out of him so i kind of 
I go up there, and if there's anything he needs done or she needs done, I try and take care of it for him. What part of Michigan are you living these days? I'm living an hour away from the exact same place I first started talking to you when I left Michigan. I'm in uh, very uh, upper Michigan. I'm about, I want to say, uh, 50, 50 to 100 miles away from, from Marquette, Michigan, which is where like the big uh, Northern Michigan University is and the Great Lakes and all that, Lake Superior. Uh, yeah. And I'm about two hours, two, two and a half hours away from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I heard it's beautiful up there. Super beautiful. It, I'll tell you, it, it is the best, uh, sp- well, not so much spring anymore because we have snow all the way until summer, it seems like now, but uh, best <laughs> summer I've ever experienced since moving back here, uh, and it's also the best fall. Snow, it's overrated. I could do without snow any day. It's weird to go from like a place like Florida where you wore a t-shirt and shorts every day, and now you have to like buy a completely different wardrobe just to stay warm. It's, it boggles my mind. I found a lot of people. It's funny because you were in Fort Myers, right? Is that where mm-hmm. you were? Yep. Um, I was. I was there for a show recently, and um, a guy who was my Uber driver. He was down there for the su- for the winter, but he was from. Um, he was from what's it called? The big the Bear Dunes National Seashore near Traverse City, and oh, okay. he would spend. He'd spend his his winters in in Fort Myers doing Uber. And then this summer season, he'd be up in uh, Traverse city renting canoes out. Wow. So you're really, you're, are you near the Hiawatha national forest? I, uh, the Hiawatha, that, that's about a four hour drive away from me, but it's okay. beautiful. I've been out there. It's absolutely gorgeous, man. That's one of those places that I've always been curious about, or how about, have you been up to copper Harbor? Not in a while, but I have, it's, it's, it's gorgeous there. Anywhere, anywhere yeah. in that particular area, before like you get to the Mackinac Bridge, it, you're just going to see some of the best scenery, the best uh, just scenic overlooks as you drive through that entire area. It's beautiful. So the Ma- okay, so the Mackinac Bridge is the bridge that connects it physically. Um, mm-hmm. Were you ever a juggalo? Were you into ICP ever? Or there's a handful of songs that I liked because you had sent me. That's the other thing uh, is it wasn't just at, at a certain point. It wasn't just prank calls that you and I were trading. It was music. Um, right. Right. And, and movies too. I, and I, I know I have it somewhere in a box, but I have a VHS tape that you'd recorded of you and your friends doing sketches in high school. And then there were times where you were trying to make prank calls to the radio and you'd, you'd be talking to me as if I was in the room and then pranking right. radio stations and stuff. Uh, I, I had those. That's so but weird. Then I, yeah. It, it, <laughs> at the time, it wasn't, though. It felt like I had a pen yeah. pal. You know, we were teenagers. Yeah. And then I have, a, yeah. I have a CD somewhere. I wish I could find it. But it had it had Insane Clown. You had sent it to me. It had insane, and you did the artwork and all that, too, for the album. It had Insane Clown Posse. Incredibly eclectic mix. Insane Clown Posse. Um Helmet, head PhD, was it head PD or head PhD or head PE, head PE, at King Missile, and then you had a DC Talk song on there, which <laughs> I'm like wow, like he's into a lot of different stuff. I guess I got to check this out, man. And then you wrote a song about me. Was it some of your calls? And I was playing guitar. Was it yeah, that one? Playing guitar, you playing guitar, playing some of my calls, and then you'd start. T- you had lyrics to it too, which I it always made me chuckle. Like Doug, he's a cool guy. <laughs> Doug, he's my friend. He really likes pr- you. Like you had this breakdown where you came. He really likes making prank phone call. I'm like, wow, <laughs> That's okay. So- 
No one's so ever original. put that much thought into me. <laughs> Some OG flavor. Yeah. When, when I when I left Michigan, right when we started talking for the first time, and it, we we kept in touch for a little while after I left uh, after I moved to Florida, but I started. I knew I knew you were doing well. Because I had uh, a buddy of mine who's still a good friend of mine today, John Capozo, and he worked with uh, a bunch of other friends. I used to work at the Edison, at the, in Fort Myers, I worked at this place called the Edison Mall. Well, it's a mall. Um, and I worked at EB Games, and then I also worked in this smoke shop we had, that my buddy John ran. And at the, before the, he took over the smoke shop, he was working at Hot Topic. Oh. And there was, a, there was a dude named Billy... Uh, and this is before th- this might be right when you released the Hot Topic song, because I right. walked in. There's this dude named Billy that was working me on the counter, and he had a shaved head, but he had one of those glued, spiked up punk rocker uh, mohawks, kind of yeah. like uh, what's his face from, from Rancid. Um, and he wore safety pins in his ears and his lips, and he, like just a dude who did not care. And I walked in and heard the the Hot Topic song that you had done. And I'm like, this voice, this guy sounds familiar to me. Like, I, I know this voice. And Billy looks up and he's like, yeah, this is uh, MC Lars. He's fuck, he's the shit. And I'm like, I fucking know that guy. And he's like, no, you don't. I'm like, dude, I have, I knew him when he went by MC Lars Horace. I could tell you why he goes by MC Lars Horace. And I have original cassette tapes. And I, at the time, I still owe you 25 bucks, by the way, because I still, I had a t shirt of you and a gas mask that said MC Lars Horace. And on the back, it said, uh, MC Hammer can't touch this. I think. Yeah, it's and a I move brought, over. I move over, MC Hammer. Right. That's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. And I had that T-shirt and I had outgrown it, and I brought it in to show him. He's like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever." I'm like, "It's yours, bro." And I'm like, "I never did pay Andrew for that shirt." <laughs> <laughs> well, that you are forgiven, and um, that is so sweet. That I never, I knew that story, man. That that's that's very touching. It was one of those small world kind of things where it just made me smile. I'm like, good for him, man. That dude is doing what he talked about doing and what he wants. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate that, man. And I, I also, um, what was I going to say? I also always wanted to try to get you on a guest list to like shout you out at a show. Um, but I never got, we never connected. We always missed each other. You always would put me on uh, the Warp Tour, warp tour. Or, whenever you came through Orlando or West Palm, and it's far, I, right? I, it's not. It was not that it wasn't far, and not that it certainly wasn't worth the drive. But at that time, I had a car that was just a piece of crap that I didn't even trust me to get to work, and I felt yeah. bad. Like I just kind of felt like at that point in life, I'm an adult. I shouldn't have these problems. Everybody else is driving around having fun, and and I didn't know how to. I just didn't know, like it wasn't just you. It was my my cousin was in a band that you, that was going on Warp Tour at that time too, and he was like, "You got to come down and see us in Orlando." I'm like, "Dude, I I don't yeah. know how I'm gonna get there <laughs> or get back." Right, most importantly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. Um, I was so when I was in Fort Myers for this, we played this this thing the library hosted downtown in December. It was like a they were doing like a mini Comic Con thing, but I yep. got to go to the Edison Ford Museum and House there and that was cool they decorated like christmas and um i didn't realize that yeah it was like called like the 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 um edison estates do you know what i'm talking about the edison ford winter estates they um they were best friends in life uh and I, i've been to them many times that's our big the yeah. biggest tour, tourist attraction to fort myers that we have is that and the fact that the first 15 minutes of george romero's day of the dead is filmed in downtown fort myers oh um, i didn't know that 
Yeah, if you go back and watch the first 15 minutes, there's a there's an overhead shot of the main strip of downtown that looks nothing how it looks today. It was completely barren, and everybody that was that was zombies in the opening parts of the movie were all locals who answered to a radio call that he went on the radio and talked about it, and it was just locals who showed up, got makeup put on them, walked yeah. around uh, downtown. But yeah, the Ford uh, uh, Edison Ford Winter States um, have been there for. Is, is, since as long as as they were there and every christmas they deck it out with lights they make it look they make that strip uh, mcgregor boulevard they make it look gorgeous with lights and it, it's it is cool it's cool to go through uh ford's home but it's really cool to go through edison's lab i think and see all the stuff that yeah. he created yeah. because all the stuff because there was so much money because rubber was um such a amazing import and they were right the, the fact that he was able to make it very um what able to use for tires and stuff like that was cool showing all his experiments it's pretty tight <laughs> yeah i loved i used to love going there as a kid and then I, as i got older I, I had friends who who were tour guides but it just yeah you live around it. it to me it's like disney world everybody made a big deal about disney world by the third trip to disney world i'm like i'm, I'm good if they yeah. come out with an if they somehow come out with another park like star wars based i'll think about going but how would you typify floridians versus people from michigan like because you've lived in both places are, are they different like is it different kind of very uh the biggest difference some of the biggest differences is food um florida you had okay. such a wonderful cultural melting pot of cuban dominican uh puerto rican and you'd have japanese and chinese all all different provenances and they had and you always had like really good food my my favorite place to eat in fort myers before i left uh, i would go there every year for my birthday was a place called el gaucho inca and it's um a husband and wife couple opened this place up and she's e either she's peruvian or she's argentinian and he's either argentinian or peruvian one one is one and one is the other and they mesh all of the recipes their grandmothers had, their moms had, and they wow. had this beautiful fusion of just amazing Argentinian and uh, Peruvian food. And then you come up to Upper Michigan, and we teeter on on Wisconsin in just about any which way you go. So it's a lot of cheese, a lot of yeah. fat, a lot of fried foods. It, like I put when I moved here, I was two hundred twenty eight pounds, and I am now. I think I'm 315 now. Like I, I put on more than that. I've lost more since going to the gym, but the food up here is just a detriment to most people's health because there's nothing fresh, you know? And also, um, do you think people drink more in like Michigan or Florida? I read something recently that said Michigan has out has become the state that uh, that's out drinking Wisconsin. Like it used to be, Wisconsin used to hold the record, I think, for for how much they could put back as far as yeah. a, a United States uh, state can go. But Michigan, we've toppled them now. Like I literally live in, in in I live in my apartment building. If I look to the right, I can see a bar. If I look straight ahead, I can see two bars. And if I look to my left, I can see a third bar or a fourth bar there that's is nothing that it, you got one grocery store uh, and everything else is bars bars are bar and grills and a lot of um a lot of like microbreweries and stuff like that too so it's the socializing when it's cold it's a place to go and see your friends too which is huge like in england right especially northern england it's so cold they yes yeah, part of the culture how is so is that hard not drinking I, honestly, or you're figuring that you're figuring it out easiest thing i've ever quit um next to cigarettes um oh you quit cigarettes yeah, quit cigarettes about two years ago and that i thought was going to be a lot uh, yeah i thought that was going to be a lot worse it took me a while to finally do it but um you get tired of waking up hacking up a lung you get tired of smelling all over you get tired of your fingers being yellow 
And when the prices went up to like, they're like $9 a pack here. It's like, who am I doing this for at this point? It's, it's not doing me any good. So that was easy. To what are they in Florida? Florida, they were like four, four fifty five bucks. How has the reaction been to the Corona stuff up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? My knowledge of of, of other people's lives and where they live is based solely on podcasts, um, like Big J Okerson, Dan right. Soder. I, I listen to those guys quite a bit, and same with Out West. But I, to me, it always felt like Florida, uh, California, New York. It felt like people were a little bit like. People kind of lived in a controlled chaos, and people here where I'm at in mm-hmm. Michigan have never really had to go through that. So it's int- like, right? I, I work with a guy who uh, it seems like every day since this has been going on, he's like, um, he's like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what we're gonna do. We got toilet paper shortages and this and that. And to me, I'm like, I've lived through five hurricanes. Like I've I've seen people be unprepared, and then I've seen people learn from from their mistakes of not being prepared. Like this is just another hurdle that Mother Nature's thrown us to. You know, I I don't I I th- I like to think it's the same all over, but you know, there are people here who are genuinely scared. It's honestly hard to decipher uh, what's real and what's not real anymore, based on how we how the media has be, not just the media, politicians obviously too, but with with uh, Facebook and everything that keeps us so connected, it's hard to distinguish uh, fact from fiction. That's why I don't really go on. I don't have Facebook anymore. I don't really read the news because it's like you get one person telling you one thing and another person telling you another. It's like. What am I going to worry about this for? The only thing I know for sure is I'm going to be dead one day and none of this is going to matter except right. what I leave behind. So <laughs> I'm not going to spend my life freaking out over it until I'm told I absolutely have to. What do you think happens when we die? I don't know where I stand on it currently. It's certainly changed over the years. But one thing that's always stuck in my mind is Kevin Smith when he talked about his mother uh, dying for like two minutes on the operating table and then coming back. And he, the way he described talking to her, like, what was it now that you've been there and you're back here, what do you want more? And she said, I'd rather be back there. Like, I don't know if I saw pearly gates and I don't know if I saw angels, but I know I felt the feeling of, of every burden and every weight that I had throughout life just didn't exist anymore. It was just relaxed. This you this is what you've worked towards, and I like to think that that's what happens. But I, I'm not completely sure. Yeah. Do you believe in a higher power? I believe in in. Um, I don't know if I believe in a higher power in like a, a, a supernatural metaphysical sense. I definitely believe that we have the capacity to be a higher power to ourselves. Uh, that's something I'm just starting to learn now. But I think everybody's different though too. You got people mm. like my folks who were raised a certain way and and the idea of God and Jesus being the savior and that is is kind of ingrained in them it's what they know and I and I get that and I, to me if regardless of what you believe if it helps you sleep at night if it helps you not be a dick to somebody if it just makes you a better person Mazeltov man all 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 bets all praise be That's tight. what explain that what you said, being a higher power to yourself. Well, I think a lot of people, I, I tried NA in the beginning when I was starting to get clean and I've, I've tried AA and not that I wouldn't say that they don't work. They work for a lot of people. But for me, every time I sat in a room uh, and listened to somebody else's story, I hate to say it because you're not supposed to bring judgment to it, but I would listen to it and I'm like, like you, the, you are at the root cause of all of this. Yes. You, you have an addiction and, and it's a monkey on your back, but at the end of the day, you, you have the choice to, to say, I've either had enough or I haven't ha- or, or, I'm, or I want to keep going. 
And for for me, right. I didn't I, I didn't realize that until like a year after not doing pills. Like it, it had it took about a year for my mind to get right and how to readjust to having emotions. But at the end of it, I, I every time I'd be in a meeting and I listen to stuff like that, I'd think them in my head. Um, you could stop this at any time. You don't need to be in this meeting. You know what the problem is. You know how to fix it. Do you want to continue talking about your problems or do you want to do something about it? And that's kind of, it takes a little while. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't happen at all for anybody, but it, for me, in my case, it, it, it took quite a while to kind of take ownership of that. And I think that's, I think that that's kind of like being your own higher power, just recognizing the problem, realizing what you have to do and just not being, I don't, I don't, I, I curse way too much. I, I caught myself because I'm listening to your, I listen, when I listen to your podcast, I listen to you say heck, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch my mouth. And it not out of nothing, <laughs> nothing more than absolute respect for you and, and whoever may be listening. Cause I know that there's probably a lot of kids who look up to you and listen to this too. So I try and curb myself on saying that, but, um, yeah, like I, I don't, I, I don't want to sound like a pussy, but I mean, that's, we, that, that's kind of what it is. Like we all have the ability. I, there was a dude I knew who was a youth minister, and I remember him telling me one day, like, you know, the choice lies in your hands. You can choose to have a good day or you can choose to have a bad day, but don't go blaming it on any anybody else. Take ownership. Right. That's kind of how I look at it. And I think what's cool about reco- recovery meetings and stuff is that the higher power can be anything. It doesn't have to be a, a, a anthropomorphized monotheistic God like from The Simpsons, right? It can be your sense that you want to be with your family or your desire to have a better tomorrow or live for something greater. And that's cool. It can be anything as long as it's positive, you know, or, or something big. I guess when I think about it, it's like something bigger than you, it exists within you, but it also exists beyond you. Would you agree? Some might, some might disagree tempering on uh, retcon uh, afflictions like, um, you know, metachlorians and whatnot, but I mean, I'm not going to get <laughs> right. Right. I'm not going to drag us into that whole rigmarole. What is like an average day like for Doug these days? Like an average Thursday. An average Thursday, I would have been just going into work about an hour ago, um, and I'd work till 10 o'clock, and then I'd come home and, let's see, tonight's Wednesday, so I'd catch up on last night's episode of The Flash, and I'd have a few Diet Cokes, I'd tinker around with PlayStation a little bit, and then I'd go to bed, and then I'd wake up and I would play video games (laughs) or read a book uh, for about an hour, hour and a half, and then I, I genuinely go in generally going to work about an hour and a half to two hours early. And I, we got a gym where I work and I just, I hit the, I put my earbuds in and I hit the treadmill for an hour and a half, two hours. And then I change out of my clothes, go to work and kind of do that weekends. I I don't do anything. I don't, I don't work on the weekends. So I, that's when I drive and drive up to my folks house and spend the weekend with them, make sure that they're taken care of. And where are you working these days? uh, It's weird since I graduated high school. That's all I've ever worked for is a, some school district in some form or another, but I drive, I drive yeah. bus, uh, which I'm not doing right now. And then I, I do that part-time and then I do uh, custodial work part-time. And that's kind of what, since the coronavirus thing hit, we've been going in and just deep sanitizing everything as be- best as wow. we can. With, and you're and you have like the suit hazmat suits or you have um, gloves on or like how deep are is your protection? A pair of nitro gloves. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's weird because you would think that there'd be something serious for something that everyone's talking so seriously about. But um, one thing yeah. I've learned working in school systems is depending on where you are, 
depending on, on how many kids you have in the area you live in, that's basically what you're going to have as far as what you need to do the job. So Florida, I worked in a school district that had, when I left, 80 plus schools and they were building more. They built a lot more since I left. And here it's a small town uh, high school, middle school, and elementary schools all in one building. It's a skeleton crew of three custodians. Wow. So, you know, I I don't, I'm not saying the name. I'm not saying where I'm at either. Uh, just just to cover myself, right, right. just in case. But it, it definitely, you, you see where money is spent and where money's not spent based on the area and the economy that you live in. And here in a small town, it's, it, it, we could be doing so much better. We really could. You're saying with how the state will allocate its yeah. funds based on like resources. It's interesting. Um, what is the craziest thing you've had a kid do on a bus while you were? You, you said you sometimes have driven buses. Uh, not so much now because I, I when I first moved here, I I didn't know how to deal with what was happening. So I that's how I got into drinking was I, I figured, well, I stopped doing this and this is legal. So I started spending a lot of time at bars and I got to know almost every, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say it's everybody knows everybody type small town. And uh, it got to right. the point where a lot of the the single moms would be on Facebook like, oh, we love our, my, I love my kid's bus driver. He's odd. So I became like Otto from the Simpsons for the first year I did it. Right. And now I'm at the point where I'm just, oh, that's Doug. He's the funny guy. He, he's easygoing. He doesn't tend to yell at anybody and it's always fun to be on his i get a lot of crap crap from other people i work with because they're tired of hearing about how i'm awesome and they're not um but to me it's easy it's always been easy to deal with kids you know i i don't feel like i ever really grew up like if you did a tour of my apartment like i've got batman statues and, and ghostbuster toys everywhere like my mentality is very much right. childlike. So dealing with kids is actually pretty easy. There's a couple of them that you'd like to throw up against the wall or into a snowbank once in a while. But um, I don't think I've had any do any kids do anything crazy or horrible on my bus um, other than yeah. curse. Uh, my favorite thing, <laughs> it sounds horrible to say, but my favorite thing that I, I love doing when I first moved here, because I, I hate the cold, I hate snow. And I, I started learning how heat conducts itself in cold weather. So when I would drive an early bus and I have kids who would, who would not stop talking or curse or they'd act up, I'd move them behind me. And that would be their punishment is they'd have to sit behind me. And what I loved doing at the beginning of winter when it would snow is I'd crank the heat up in the bus and I would just let bacon farts just slide out all morning and watch in the mirror as the kid behind me lost his mind trying to figure out what was happening and how he could stop it. Like what? What the smell oh, was? was? The best. He's like, Mr. Doug, did we run over a skunk? I'm like, I don't think so. We would have felt that. He's like, it smells awful in here. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what it is, man. It must be you. <laughs> did they, did they, that's, that's a good story. Did they ever throw stuff out the window? Have you ever kissed No, I have out? had one girl. Um, she's not even going to school anymore, I don't think. Um, but we had this, this group of kids, these brothers and sisters who were constantly getting in trouble for truancy and stuff. And, and the one youngest sister uh, got into a fight with her brother on my bus cold cocked him in the face. I, I saw it happen and I told her to sit tight while I called a, an authority over. And before I could even pick up the phone to call, I saw her opening a window, throwing her duffel bag out and she started just crawling out the side of the window. And I'm, that, that might actually be the craziest thing a kid's ever done on my bus. Was it caught with the bus moving? 
No, we were just start. We were just starting to move, and I, I'd stop. So it's not as bad as it was when I was a kid. I did way worse stuff on on my. I had water balloon fights on on a bus when I was a kid. So it's not like that anymore. <laughs> that's that's distracting. Oh God, we almost I almost got us into an accident. It was horrible. What? How is it hard to back up a bus? No, I mean if you practice, it's it, to me. It, it's like anything else. Uh, if you practice it, if you take the yeah. time to, to do it and learn how to do it, no, it's it's to me it's like parallel parking. You just have to remember that your bus is is much larger than most cars. That it has a it has a twenty to twenty five foot swing. So when you take turns, you really have to pay attention to your mirrors consistently as you're going. But it, it, right. it's not it's not bad. I tell myself that I can learn how to do anything. My my problem is is willpower. It took me a while to learn how to how to do the right. walk around test for a bus because I'm not the kind of person who can read something and retain it. Like I love reading comic books, but I, I could reread them a million times over because my as soon as I shut the the pages, my book my brain just turns off and forgets everything I just read. And that's kind of how it is with with doing stuff like this. I have to do it in repetition a couple times to get it under my belt. What's a walk around test? You, it's checking the safety features yeah. of the bus. Before or? you take your bus out, you have to walk around. You have to make sure there's no leaks, uh, that everything is in is working order, that it's safe for the road. You check your lights, you check your horn, your turn signals, and when you go to take a CDL test to get your CDL or your passenger and school bus endorsement, you actually have to physically do the test in front of a, a, a guy who's grading you an interview. Um, he, he will watch you do your walk around. You have to know a bunch of different names for like different like pitman arm, caliper, all this kind of stuff that I didn't know beforehand. And uh, he checks to make sure that you know that stuff, that you're checking to make sure there's no cracks in any of the tubing and all that kind of stuff. Um, usually it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to do a complete walk around, to do a, 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 wow. a, a good walk around. But once you get your license, I, I've not... I'm not going to incriminate myself. Uh, there's some you 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 tend to find shortcuts when you're not being graded on your performance. You find shortcuts, but you the the ultimate thing is that that you just making sure that it's it's good enough for the road that there's nothing wrong with it. Have you ever had to switch out a bus because it wasn't ready? And you, and I've had to switch out because it wasn't ready. I've had to switch out because I've had batteries dead, de- uh, completely dead on me. I've gotten stuck in snowbanks going to pick kids up. I've had to have it my bus pulled out by another bus. Um, yeah, wow. it's just it, it's it's a lot more stringent these days. When I was a kid, we didn't have security cameras on the buses. Now we have like three or four of them. Oh, on the right. Camera, you know, uh, so they they do monitor everything fairly well. But yeah, it, it's just yeah, it's absolute safety features. The one thing they 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 beat into your head when you're take when you're learning, you have to do like a. a two-day weekend course once a year uh, to get recertified. And the one thing they beat into your head is they're not kids, they're precious cargo. So that right. that's kind of always in the back of your mind. Yeah, I'm driving, but I'm not driving my kids. I'm driving a bunch of other people's kids. So this is to be taken seriously. My last bus question, where do, where do you gas the bus up? Because I've never, I've never seen a school bus gassing up at like a normal gas station. When I worked in Florida, we actually had bus garages uh, – all over the, the the entire county, where you could stop if you if something happened to your to your vehicle, you could stop and get it worked on by one of the many mechanics. There was gas pumps. Here we actually have gas cards, and I have to we we take it to uh, Christ. We have an account with Christ, and they give us little um, debit looking cards, and we just uh, we fill up at the pump, bring the card in, slide it, and you sign a piece of paper, and you're on your way. 
How long does it take to fill up a bus and how often do you have to fill up a bus? It takes about 20 minutes. Uh, Normally, the the rule of thumb is don't let your your gas tank get under half a tank. So when it starts to reach half Uh tank, we usually fill it up. For me, I have the shortest route uh, of all the drivers. So I'm only on the road for maybe 20, 30 minutes a day. And it's like once every two, three weeks I fill up. And it takes about a good 20 to 25 minutes to fill a half a tank up. That's pretty cool. So what will you do while you're filling up the tank? Uh, usually I'll sweep out my bus. Uh, kids like to leave garbage on yeah. the floor, so I'll sweep it out. And if I've already swept it out and i got nothing else going on, I'll bring up a podcast app and see if there's anything new for me to listen to when I get back to work in the evening. Just check my email and stuff like that. What's the weirdest thing you found cleaning the bus up? There's two answers to that. One for school and one for bus. The weirdest thing I found in the bus, kids have these the weirdest toys nowadays. And and they, to me, some of the stuff that kids have to play with don't, don't even look like toys. And so I just pick up stuff that I assume is garbage. And then the next day, some kid will be like, did you see my, my twisty crawly snake thing that was felt? I'm like, <laughs> it was green and it was more than 12 inches. It's, it was garbage to me. Well, that was my toy. I'm like, okay. Like that's the weirdest thing. Kids leave a lot of Sorry. yeah. Kids yeah. leave a lot of toys. They leave gloves, boots, uh, coats on the bus. Like that's the other thing I've noticed is is kids really don't have um, respect for their own property because they're not paying for it. So they don't have that 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 concept that like right. this comes from somewhere. If I lose it, I'll just get another one. It's amazing to me how many laptops and smartphones I see just laying by themselves. Um, really? Oh yeah, it's insane. Well, it's insane to me the amount of laptops. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I walk by iMacs before. And I'm like, I, I could only ever dream to own an iMac, and then I see them just sitting there right. flippantly in the open, and no one's claiming it. I'm like, come on, man, this is this is ridiculous. But that's that's the that's bus. Crazy. School, I found used condoms. Yeah. Oh, that's the that's the <laughs> that's the weirdest one I found at a school. <laughs> so, are kids more? polite to bus drivers or custodial staff some bus drivers may say otherwise um because there are people who they're older they're, they're, some drivers are a little bit older than me and they have they've already had their kids have, have come and gone in their life so now to i think i think in some, i don't i can't say it for sure but my perspective on what i see is that some people are if this is a job but it's not a job i don't want to listen to kids screaming all the time like you can get that i get that just from looking at somebody for me, it's, it's never been that bad. Like I said, cause I've, I've got, it's easy to me. It's easy to get along with a kid. You know, it's my personality yeah. is very much a kid. So, um, I would say that probably custodians now that I think about it, but I, in my experience, I, I, to me, it just feels the same. You know, you could definitely tell yeah. which adults kids don't, don't like based on how they talk or how they distance themselves. So based on how the adults do. Yeah, there's a lot of kids. There, there are kids who will verbally say like, "I'm steering clear of Mister So and So because he he seems like he's on a hot page today," and you know, so you get it from that. You can tell which teachers or or, or employees in general uh, get stressed out being around kids, and you can tell the kids that realize that because they're the ones who who will try and stress them out more, like digging the knife in the back. They love getting a rise out of people when they can see they can do it. So, <laughs> so like the Bart Simpsons, <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So, Doug, I wanted to end with I'm going to ask you four questions, and I'm going to ask them all now, and, and maybe like you can think about them if some of them you don't know. So, I want to know your favorite band, favorite TV show, favorite movie, and favorite comic, like like stand up comic. Oh, this oh stand up uh, stand up comedian. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you favorite 
movie has not changed uh, at all in my lifetime. And I, but I, I had the only thing that has changed is I stopped telling people it was my favorite movie because everybody would ask me about it. In my twenties, I had all the posters framed and hung on the wall. I had toys and models from the film, but I love Phantasm, and I stopped telling people that because anytime people would come into my house and see the posters, the first thing they would ask is, "What's that about?" And then I get into a long explanation, kind of like a Star Wars or a Battlestar Galactica person would get in with somebody who doesn't know that kind of right. stuff. And you just see the look of lost confusion in their face. I'm like, you know what? This is my thing. I'm just keeping it to myself. But Phantasm is definitely still, uh, the entire series is still kind of my favorite. How many movies are there in it? There's a total of five. My friend Tim references it in one of our songs. I don't know if you've known the song we did, Escape from Robot Island. He references that movie in it. I'm going to look it up On now. Radio Pet Fencing. I'm definitely going to look it up. He goes, some that it's about these robots that are going to attack. And he goes, some that will drop you in a chasm, balls that drill you like in Phantasm. And I've never seen it. That's dope. So I don't know what, so what's that about? The, the first movie of the series uh, is the most serious of the, of I think of the series, aside from the fourth one. As, as the movies went on, it, they came out at a time kind of similar to like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, where it started out serious. And then as the movies went on, there became, there, there was a little comic relief in some of the characters and they kind of became splatter comedies in a way um right but they all e each film picks up where the last one left off which is something that's always kind of stuck with me as a from the time i was a kid i always thought that was kind of cool um but they're basically uh you see the first movie it's um a kid and his brother they lose their parents and his brother is trying like hard to get out of this town but his his brother doesn't want him to leave because his only family has left they have a buddy named reggie so there's this creepy guy with a floating orb yeah it's the tall man angus scrim um, okay he, he basically runs this mausoleum in the first movie and uh you as the movie goes on Mike, the youngest brother, you start. To, he starts to see that something's not right with this guy, this tall guy, and there's, there's a lot of deaths in the town, and people are going missing. And you come to find out, I don't know if they really do a good job explaining it in that first movie, but you definitely see it as the series goes on that the tall man lives in this this uh they never really say if it's another planet or a dimension but it's very similar looking to mars the way it's depicted it's all red and orange there's low gravity um and what they, they what he does is he takes he has this group of of uh minions little dwarf minions that wear these brown cloaks and they have almost kind of like um oh gosh uh uh from star wars with the yellow eyes the jawas jawas yeah. They, they look a little bit like Jawas, but their faces, you can see, and they're like gnarly looking troll, like uh, dwarf creatures. And uh, he has them, every body that comes through the morgue, he has them put into a barrel and sent back to his home planet. And he's turning the, the bodies of these deceased humans into more of his dwarfy minions. And as the series goes on, like it becomes, you know, Mike grows up throughout the movie as well as all the other characters. And it, they basically go on like a road trip trying to like find the tall man to bring him down. And uh, the last film, I, I don't really recall too much because it wasn't Don Cossarelli who wrote and directed it like the other four. Um, I mean, it's it's okay. It was nice to see a a a, 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 a final entry into the series before uh, the tall man actually died in real life. But um, it's it's basically like it's to me. It's always been a story about a little brother who looks up to his big brother and wants to help him save the world, and he can't even do that. And by the end of the fourth film, I mean, I you could take it a million different ways because uh, art is subjective, but I always saw it as the, with the fourth film was the last film Don Cossarelli did. And he made it, he used footage from the original 1970 
the first film, I think it was 78, 79, he took unused footage that he'd found and reincorporated it into the fourth film. And mm. it was going to be the last one uh, initially. And the way they kind of interpret it in my understanding, is that everything that's been happening over the last four movies was just a dream that Michael, the young kid, was coping with because his brother and mother and father were ultimately killed in a car accident. And so his entire life, he's created this scenario in his mind that this evil alien is is taking away everybody, but really it's just a coping mechanism for a young kid. And and I think that's kind of why I like it. I think I grew I, I grew up thinking a bunch of different things. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know. I've got a weird outlook on things. So to me, I I, I like. Um, stories that have, I like that kind of stuff. Do you like that twist? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was cool, and then they then they're like, "Well, it wasn't the way we were originally going to end it, and now we're going to make a new movie." And it's like, why? Like to me, that was a perfect ending to any story. Isn't completing the story? It's it's giving the story purpose. Like I love The Sopranos, and I know a lot of people don't like the ending, but to me, I was I was fine with it. I don't need some big. Uh, Guns, guns, uh, gunslinger walking off into the sunset. I, I just want a good conclusion to a story, and that's kind of what I felt with that fourth movie. Is it tied everything up nicely? But is the fifth like, hey, actually, your dream wasn't a dream. It wasn't a dream. Oh, really? Yeah, it felt it felt like a retcon in in, in, a, in a couple different ways. Um, but. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. It's like, hey, no, no, the last four movies weren't a dream. They really happened. So we're going to go ahead and continue the story, and this is going to be how we end it. And I'm like, eh. I mean, if you're happy, you're happy. Whatever. I'll buy the box set. So you know the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? Obviously. One of your favorites amongst heavyweights, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Good memory. The book it's based on, it's called Who Censored Roger Rabbit, and the book is very different from the movie. So when Gary Wolf wrote the sequel, he had... The book, the original, since it was so different, is a dream that Jessica has that then made it so retcon the sequel to the book fit in the movie universe, which is different. So it's a similar thing, right? It became a dream yeah. of the original story where, where Roger's a comic strip character instead of a cartoon character. So you know, I've never I've never read that, but I, I've heard that 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 the original source material for that was completely different than what they made. Yeah, I, and I didn't know that until you just said that. So I thought that that's kind of cool. That's right. That's a great movie too. Yeah, that's a great movie. It, it holds up. Okay, so favorite that was favorite movie, favorite TV show, Breaking Bad, uh, pretty much all of that. Okay, that stuff I love. Um, there's a lot of shows. Did you watch El Camino? I didn't hate it. But I didn't love it. It's and it's not what I expected. It definitely is its own beast of its own. But I, 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 I wouldn't mind watching it again. But it's not un- unlike Breaking Bad. It's not one of those things where like you, you every time I watch every time I've watched Breaking Bad, I find myself like like how I used to feel in my twenties when I'd find discover that new band or you discovered that new movie that everybody had known about but you didn't know about. Yeah, that's how I felt. That's how I still feel about Breaking Bad and True. De- this first season of True Detective, like every time I watch it, it still feels like I'm watching it for the first time because it's so good. Right. And I didn't get that with El Camino. I didn't like I said I didn't hate it, but I didn't it didn't feel the way it used to feel. Right. Whereas Better Call Saul, oddly enough, feels as good as Breaking Bad. Right, right. Yeah, that universe is, is, is so massive. And it's fascinating stuff. And it's absolutely fascinating stuff. But I mean, it, I'm quantifying my favorite. It, that is my favorite show because that's one that I definitely go back to and try and get people into. But I mean, there's so many of them. I mean, X-Files, you could... You could hit and miss with X-Files, Simpsons. That was the best thing about Disney Plus was getting to watch all the old Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Again. Yeah. Shout out to them. That's so cool that they've got that there. <laughs> it's like so much. Brilliant stuff. I love watching those old those old episodes, man. Truly, truly some of the best stuff. Do you have a favorite Simpsons episode? 
Um, I, I, I do. I couldn't tell you the name of it, uh, um, but I could tell you why it's my favorite. Uh, it, it's maybe it is the Radioactive Man one where they're filming Radioactive Man and, and yeah, uh, Fallout Mill Boy House becomes Fallout Boy. Yeah. And I think it was that one where they're at the bar talking to Mo, and, and Mo's like, "I haven't, I haven't heard something like that since I was." Uh, the second Alfalfers, or what I was on the little something about being in the little rascal. He's like, Yeah, I was one of the original little rascals. And then it cuts to like that flashback footage. He's like, Back then, or no, there was a kid. He's like, William Faulkner, you wouldn't think about it, but William Faulkner could write a soot in the eye gag that would just have you in stitches. <laughs> and then some kid, it was Alfalfa who came and stole Moe's spotlight and Moe killed him. Right. <laughs> and, and he's like, It cuts back to the present. He's like, Yeah, it's okay. Everything was fine. The studio paid his mother off. He's like, That's just how they did things back then. <laughs> Okay, favorite band. It's a toss-up. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've I've learned to appreciate music in all forms. I like a lot of hip hop. I love a lot of uh, rock. I love a lot of soul music. So um, I, I it really there was a period where I would have said Alkaline Trio or Coheed and Cambria, but now my my musical uh, taste it's different every day. Like I, I listen to more podcasts than anything, but when I do listen to music, I listen to a lot of atmosphere. Um, I listened to uh, Sage Francis, uh, Doom, Doom Tree, um, a lot of independent stuff. Meter, I don't know where you are in New York, but there's a, a, a hip-hop collective out of Brooklyn called Meter Maids that I really enjoy uh, quite a bit. Mm, I've heard of them. I've heard of them. I should check them out. I, I enjoy those guys a lot. But yeah, I mean, it, for me, music changes on a daily, daily basis, my, my mood and my tastes. Um, and, and there's not a lot of new music that I get into. I try... Like I'll always give bands and artists that I love. I'll I'll always give their new stuff a a, a chance, but a lot of the newer newer yeah. artists, like it just like I'm sure people get something out of Machine Gun Kelly or Cardi B, but it's just not my cup of whimsy, you know. What did you like about Guar so much? And do you still go back and check them out? I loved Guar because it was something. A, as a 15-year-old, I'd never seen... I didn't know it was a thing that you could dress up like monsters and spray your audience with blood and play ridiculous music with the most ridiculous lyrics. And as I got older, I, I genuinely enjoyed the music. My first introduction was seeing how cool the album cover looked and buying it. Um, and then I started yeah. to listen to the music, and I'm like, there's some songs in here that I do that I, that I dig. And then I got to see them live for the first time, and I'm like, all right, this is why you love this band. Because they are one right. of the coolest live exp It makes leaving the house worth seeing them. We got at the gathering of the Juggalos. We got to watch them from backstage, seeing all their how the blood was set up, and that was cool. Watching their whole technical thing from the back was awesome. I, I it was pretty. Cool. It was weird when I first met them outside of the makeup, like just come off. They're covered in sweat with paint, with grease paint all over them, and that. But yeah, I would have liked to have seen that too. Yeah. You asked me before if I liked ICP, and I never really answered the question. Uh, I do like a few songs. Yeah. That was one of the ones you always tried to get me into, and I think it was the Great Malenko that you the, the hit off of that album that you had sent me. It was like Halls of Illusions. Halls of Illusions. It was the only video I remember ever seeing on MTV at the time, and back when they had dreadlocks. And I remember the, like one of the lyrics yeah. in the song was something about Nintendo. That's that stuck with me. Um, as the years have gone on, I wouldn't say that I've hate. I, I, I'm a hater of the Juggalos. If anything, I'm more fascinated by them as I've gotten older. Right. You want to, You asked me what my life goal was, or if I had a dream or something. I would like to go to a gathering of the Juggalos once before I die. Like they look like a fucking right. blast to be on. And you get to see bands like Guar and, and great stand up comedy, and it's just like a fun, very scary. <laughs> 
weekend. If you look it up on YouTube, I know it's on YouTube. I, there's two different versions of it, and they're both pretty good. But the one he did, Bobcat Goldwith did an interview on the Joe Rogan podcast, and then I, I would I would think the one he did for Harmontown with Dan Harmon was way funnier. But he recounts a story of being booked at the Gathering of the Juggalos. It was the year that uh, that pop singer got crap thrown at her. I can't think of her name. Tila Tequila. It was that year he'd right. gotten booked, and he tells this story about how there's a, a clown that goes every year to the Gathering of the Juggalo uh, called, um, oh, God, I can't even think of his name now off the top of my head. Something the Clown. Um, I, I, I can't think of his name, but if you if you go on YouTube and type in Bobcat Goldwaith Gathering of the Juggalos, his Harmontown episode will come up, and he tells a 20-minute story about this clown bringing him into the gathering of the juggalos on a golf cart and showing him around. He's like, yeah, everybody here loves me. And, and he says, as he says that you hear some juggalo in the distance, say his name. And he turns, get ready to greet him. And they just whiz a can of Fago soda and cracks his skull open. <laughs> and it sounds so horrible, but the way he tells the story and the way he, he does this guy's voice, like it, I heard that and I'm like I would I would give it I'd give up my firstborn to be at that gathering of the juggalos. It sounded so awesome. That's something I've always wanted to go to, and I do highly recommend you checking it out. Speaking of uh, stand-ups, favorite stand-up comedian. When I left Florida, I'll, I'll I'll answer it like this: When I left Florida, the reason I decided to go to Los Angeles to do to try being a stand-up um, was because at that point in my my life, I've been listening to a lot of. West Coast uh, comedy. I didn't care for New York comedy. I didn't really know New York comedy, but I knew the stuff I'd seen didn't really do much for me. And I was listening to a lot of Burt Kreischer. Tom Segura was getting big. Joe Rogan and all that stuff was was kind of blown up. And I, I fell in love with Joey Diaz and Doug Stanhope. And as I've gotten older, I've le- I've I've grown to realize that I I think I like New York East Coast based comedy more than any else anywhere else in the world. Uh, there, there's there's you. New Yorkers seem to have an honesty about just horseshit, like not not taking horseshit, but also calling it out for what it is. And I really kind of respect right. that. I've I've over the last few months, I've fallen in love with uh, Big J Okerson, Dan Soder, Louis Gomez. Like, um, uh, uh, oh man, I uh, can't think of his name off the top of my head. No, Joe DeRosa. Uh, most of the comedians that I love are, are New York based. It's hard for me to wind down a favorite, but I can tell you that the the three off the top of my head that I never miss an episode and I constantly stick with them is Joey Diaz, Big J Okerson, and Doug Stanhope. I've seen all three of them live. I haven't seen Big J live, um, but I've seen Stanhope and, and uh, Diaz. I haven't haven't gotten to see, um, but it's a toss up between those three right now. Anyway, so how would you? typify west coast comics versus east coast comics like what are some stylistic differences west coast comics uh the initial reason i wanted to go out there was because i tried stand up in florida uh for about a year and the people wow yeah and i've got all that on tape and much like my prank call career it's not at that funny i didn't i don't i hate i have a tough time listening to anything with my voice on it um and I, I tried it for a year, and at that time, I was just getting into podcasts, so everything I'm hearing, like Rogan, Kreischer, Diaz, all these guys on the West Coast, Ari Shafir at the time, I think, was West Coast, now he's East, um, but everything I was hearing, the way they were talking about doing shows together at the clubs in town and, and how it was a camaraderie and a brotherhood, I wanted that. That's the kind of comedy I loved at the time because I didn't get that in Florida. In Florida, it's it literally... Is just hot water garbage. 
people doing comedy. There's a, there's a couple of good ones that come out of it. Um, but for the most part, local comedy where I was at was a lot of backstabbing, screwing people out of money, screwing people off shows, spreading internet rumors, it's just ridiculous stuff. So, uh, I fell in love with West coast comedy because of that. And as I've gotten older and as times have changed, it seems to me that West Coast comedy, because they're in the heart of Los Angeles and because or Hollywood, and with everything going on with Harvey Weinstein and and, and Cosby and all that all that horrible thing, it, it felt like comedy was starting to become censored uh, on the West Coast. That's how I hear it in my head as I listen to it. You can de- you mm. when you hear comedians start to say stuff like, um, uh, "Oh, I was going to say something, but I caught myself." The woke culture we're living in. I don't want to get canceled culture. It's like just say it, like. To me, if, if a comedian, the comedian's only job is to attempt to make something funny. And if somebody's offended by it, like you can't control that. People are offended by the most ridiculous things. So that started to kind of help lose my interest in West Coast. Not completely, but I, like I said, that's why I love New York. Like you have a melting pot of so many different people and so many personalities and sexualities and, and everybody seems to make it work. You know what I mean, and and I kind of dig that. I kind of like the fact that like, based on the comedy I watch on YouTube, like the live podcasts and stuff out at like the stand or the creek in the cave or whatnot, or even the comedy cellar, you see that a, a perfectly mixed group of of, of races and, and sexualities, and they're all having the same experience. They're laughing. Like you don't see that. It feels like you don't see that a lot in the West Coast anymore. It just feels like everybody wants to find something new to be to be offended over. So I don't know. New York, New York and East Coast Interesting. feels more like they're testing the limits or they're staying true to themselves. That's kind of how it feels on my end. Is there a stand up uh, comedy scene up in the Upper Peninsula? Uh, there is in Marquette. I know there is. Uh, that's about an hour, hour and a half away from me. And the only reason I know that is because yeah. I saw Stanhope last September in in Marquette. And um, the way it was at a little bar and grill uh, place. And the way the the girl who was hosting the show uh, was a student at NMU. And uh, she's like, yeah, we've, we've got open mics now like twice a week. We're expanding everything. Like the way they made it seem was like, a lot of these college kids, a lot of people are coming to that area to take their try their hand at it because they're starting to bring in real names and stuff. So, do you remember the name of the venue? It was called the Ore Dock and Brewery. O R E Dock and yeah. Brewery. It, it's basically like a microbrewery, a beautiful old building, and they have all kinds of really neat pop cultural stuff that happens there from time to time. Doug, I appreciate you doing this interview, and I don't know if you do a lot of podcasts, but it's been great, like be able to talk about just about everything, dude. I, I 100% agree on this on this end for sure. I could I could sit here and talk to you for another hour and a half, man. Um, <laughs> I when I that's the thing. I, that's the other thing I've learned as I've gotten older is is I I dislike having conversations with people unless they're people i i know or people i haven't talked to in a while so like when when you that's, that's fair when you propose this this idea to me i'm like absolutely like I've, I've been looking forward to talking to you man like it, not even just on my end like it's made me want to like do something different too like now that i have a decent microphone and i have an app like right. i kind of want to do a podcast and i kind of want to interview him for my podcast and i don't know <laughs> yeah it, sure i love i'd uh, do it if you want absolutely man my yeah. bro- my brother when he gave me this mic he's like you know when you and I get together, we we laugh for like a good two or three hours. I'm like, yeah. He's like, we should probably do a podcast together. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> we could we could yeah. figure something out. <laughs> like to me, it costs nothing to sit down and just talk. And I and I like I said, I enjoy doing it with people. I enjoy doing it with. So, and you're very familiar with the medium. Yes. the The only thing I don't know, like when you told me uh, what I was going to need for this, and I'm like, I don't. 
know anything. Like it's really bizarre because when you first, when we first started talking to each other as kids, I was basically building websites for people. And the only way I was building them was I was going to other websites that I really liked of like bands or movies. And I was stealing the HTML when you'd go to like F whatever it was, you could copy all that. And just change the tables and stuff. Change the header, change the color algorithms, all that stuff. And now it's like, I, I could I couldn't even tell you how, like how I could how I could would even go about trying to build a, a website. Like I haven't had a laptop in a long time, and I got this one here to to use for this. And uh, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't even understand Windows anymore. This all looks so unfamiliar to me. You're on Instagram. What's your Instagram? Douglas is dumb. At Douglas is dumb. That's what I thought. Yeah. Douglas is dumb. Thank you, Doug, for taking time. It's been good. It's been tight. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm pleasure to do it. Happy to talk to you. And I, like I said, man, once I figure this out, like I do want to have another, like, I just want to have another conversation period with you, but I'd love to ask yeah. you questions about like what you've been doing, because honestly, dude, one of the things I remember you telling me when we were younger was your love of Weird Al Yankovic. What is it like getting to record a song with Weird Al Yankovic, man? That shit is bananas <laughs> to me. That was a life dream. He's very professional, obviously, and very nice. And very. He's that, what's striking by him is he's so humble for having sold that many records, you know, and so kind. I thought that was the coolest thing when I saw that. That was a dream come true. That was tight. There's a handful of people in, 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 in life, in my life, uh, where I've been absolutely fascinated by and proud of, despite the fact that you lose touch with people as, as years go right. on, you are absolutely at the top of the list with with two other people I know who've went on to do some pretty incredible things with their life. But it's it's always fascinating. I tell my mom whenever whenever we'd see something or I'd hear you or something like that, I tell mom like I know that kid. Like that was the first kid I was friends with on the yeah. internet when I when we moved from Michigan. She's like, oh, that's nice. Like it it goes right over their heads that like. <laughs> You can graduate high school and do something completely different. It's generational, right? The fact that we have these friendships that are long, decades long, across the world. I was going to say, it's the and it's the only kind of friendships where technology is a positive. Like I, I think a lot of technology is more harmful nowadays, but but stuff like this, it's tight. It would, especially with educational stuff like that's the thing I love about you the most is that you've taken something you love doing and made it accessible for yeah. everybody. Like I love, I dude. I, I'll watch Netflix Punisher till the cows go home. I'll watch John Bernthal like murder a ton of people. But at the end of the day, that's not something you can show to to kids. And right, <laughs> even though I don't have kids, you know, even though I don't have kids, like I still want kids to do to grow up in a better world than the one I grew up in. Yeah. And the one I grew up in wasn't that bad. But you're you're helping contribute to that. So I thank you, man. You are kind. Thank you, Doug. Um, that's sweet. And that's what I always want to, well, yeah, when I make stuff, I want it to be appropriate for kids. Last question. Do you ever talk to Chris Van Horn from Latrine? Haven't talked to him in years. Uh, he reached out to me uh, maybe a decade ago. Yeah. Um, my, 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 my time frame is very skewed. Um, but he reached out to me and we, we chatted a little bit. It might have been like before Facebook, MySpace era. Okay. Um, and like everything else, just lost touch. That's another person who you should get on the podcast. Yeah. I, dude, literally everybody that we talked to throughout the years doing prank calls with, I would love to hear you interview them and just catch up with them. I, I love that Phone Losers interview so much. It's ridiculous. And that was fun because we did it in real life. He came to the hotel where I was. That was cool. Yeah, Brad, dude, of all the prank call internet people, his stuff with the FBI and like the YouTube channel, he's really doubled down on it. And I'm... 
it's I'm kind of proud of him because it's like very unconventional. Like he's some of his stuff is better, I think, than some of the jerky boys and his characters. You know, it's like he's like a mass Jedi master prank call social media genius kid. <laughs> I agree, man. I agree. There was the, that's the that's the weird thing after Jerky Boys had come out to button it up with prank calling um, was, I, I mean, I, I could speak only for myself, but I remember when they when they came out, you had them, you had the Bumbar Bastards who did yeah. the tube bar stuff, <clears throat> you had uh, the Ballbusters, Nine Seven Six Girls, Telephone Head, and Moose Asha tapes. Those are the six. Uh, mainstream prank call albums I remember buying at a at, at a, a physical store where everything else I had to get bootleg copies of or you there was there was a, you, I was trying to think of the name of somebody there was a prank call group that was featured uh, on a few sites back in the day and they charged five bucks for cassette tape and I remember cutting them a check and never getting the tape to this day I still haven't gotten the tape oh. Oh, that's horrible. The, the crank callers of America. That's who it was. That's you were talking to Brad about them. They never sent the tape. Never sent their cassette tape. My dad had to write me a check out because this is I was still at, like I was sixteen or seventeen, and he kept hounding me. He's like, "No, a five dollar check hasn't cleared." And all I could think was like, "I'll give you five bucks." I I didn't realize how how banking worked. And he's like, "You better get a hold of those guys." Oh, so they never cashed it. They never cashed it. They they eventually did after like a month and a half of me hounding them with emails. They cashed it, and then they never sent me the tape. So wow. But I, I, I heard you guys talking about it. I was like, oh, wow, you just like opened up the floodgates of memories that I hadn't thought about in forever. Because uh, yeah, we did the parody of them. Yeah. The parody tape. <laughs> yep. That's what's up. I also remember you were asking if I remember who I remember prank call wise. Like if there was something, you remember, Lee, was it Leroy Mercer? Yeah. Um, yeah. Tom Mabe, Jonathan Winters had a prank call album out that I, I thought was kind of funny as a kid. Um, it was like messages he left on yeah. people's answer blue, machine. Blue squirrel, yeah. to, uh, red chuck to gray squirrel, red chuck to gray squirrel. We're over <laughs> here in the shit, gray squirrel. Like, it'd just be random messages he would call people with. I loved a lot of that stuff. And it, it, like I said, Musasha tapes is one for me that still holds up. And the ball, the ball busters still hold up, even though a, a, a good chunk of that was staged. Um, it's Oh, those were staged, you think? I know they were staged. I know they were staged because I built... When tele, you remember the telephone head, the orange cover. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You and I had a conversation through email, and I remember you saying like, "I don't like that album because it's fake." And I th- and I remember asking you like, "How do you, how do you know it's fake?" And and you're like, "You can just you can hear people from the nine seven six girls. You hear people from the Ballbusters. You can hear their voices." And then years later, I had had a prank call website. I think that I was I was trying to do tra- tape trades like you were. And the guy, uh, the kid, I should say, he's younger than me, Wade, I want to say Milbone. I'm, I might be mispronouncing his name. I can't remember his last name, but this kid, Wade, who was the telephone head, messaged me. And he's like, look, look, man. Right. And he's like, I saw what you wrote. He's like, I'll, I'll tell you the whole story. He's like, but that stuff wasn't fake. He's like, there was a couple of them that were fake. And he says, and he told me what they were. And it was the ball busters. He says, we got, he said. He called the ball busters. He called the ball busters. He, uh. He had me build his first website for him back in early 2000, and he sent me. I, I have him somewhere. I'd have to go through. I got boxes all over the place, but he sent me the original letter from Dillagaff Records that that approached him wanting to buy the tapes. It had another contract 
a copy of a contract he sent me. He sent me news articles from his hometown when he became big from the prank call tapes. Um, and then he'd send me correspondence from like the ball busters that he was having where they're like, yeah, not all of them are going to be hit and misses. That's why we got to do a couple stage ones. So I know that, that there was a lot of it that was fake. And that kid, so just to wrap things up, randomly when the torrent, which we're talking about, the, prank, the uh, Phone Losers America torrent went up, that kid from the telephone head emailed brad carter and told him this whole story too that yeah. you just said it was fascinating so because he got i wonder if he made any money did he make money or not really he said that he made some but not enough not like what you'd need to like you weren't making the telephone head movie like to me the one of the you know people talk about troll 2 being the, the best worst movie to me that you go back and watch the jerky boys movie that's pretty yeah. much that's a pretty for for a kid at that time we i loved it but you watch it as an adult holy right. wow what a turd so he never got that kind of money like i remember those guys well i don't know i don't know what happened to to uh was it kamel was that his name kamal 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 and then they had a fight and kamal did a solo record then left and i don't left. know whatever happened to him but i mean you look at johnny brennan like that dude's a voice on family guy he's a voice in every like he's still killing the game and doing that stuff he had a podcast for a while jerky, jerky boys podcast i didn't know that yeah it was only about a year but it was like it was cool because it was the stories behind the calls and i would love to hear the story behind pablo honey like that's one that as a kid it was the funniest thing. and it to, as an adult it's still funny but i i, I could never make two cents of what the hell it was pablo honey come please come back to florida honey we miss you i'm like okay like i don't know what you're doing but it's it's awesome it works for me it worked yeah younger millennials a lot of them haven't heard of the jerky boys it's kind of forgotten it's a lost thing you know for some people 100 it is i mean you also got to think millennials like the younger millennials are living in a world where they literally can open up their phone go into one of four to five different apps create their own content and and start their own career if they wanted to that boggles my mind when i found out how much certain people were making on youtube from their channels i'm like you gotta be shitting me and that's the thing is like right I would never do something like that because I don't have the confidence in myself to think I could hold up an entire hour-long episode of whatever I was going to talk about, let alone try and hawk something in advertising sales. But there are people who are making better livings at it than, I, than I'm doing with my job. I, I think it's fascinating, but I also think that that's a big reason, like that post I made on Instagram about the ball busters. Like kids will never know what it's like to go to your, your kitchen and see a phone hanging up with a rotary dial on it. Like that's just Yeah, that's it, true. That's just not the world we live in anymore. Douglas is dumb on Instagram. Let's end with a song. I'm trying to think, like, is there any song you want to end with? We could play anything. I was thinking, uh, there's that thing I did with your, the beats and your calls, but I don't know if you want it, that on there. I would. You actually it. have that still? I do, yeah. I call Ugh. it Funny Phone Freak or something. If you could take that song and mix it with a Guar song and then mix it with an MC Lars hey. song and then mix it with my voice. MC Guars. We'll just have an amalgam. <laughs> I like it. That's cool. What was the what was the one song? Uh, Keep me hanging on the telephone. Uh, that was the one they used in the trailer, and I can't think of who sang that. Yeah, song. it's a cover of a Keep Blondie me song. Hanging on the tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Who did the yeah, L Seven? I think did the cover. Yes, you're right. It was L Seven. Yeah. Holy crap! I'm thinking about stuff I haven't thought about in years. This is a good. This is a very good soundtrack. But Helmet is playing with Faith No More in September in Chicago, and I'm going to it. Oh, what a lineup! Um, we were when I was. I'll just tell a quick last story. We went. I did Warp Tour, and one of the shows was in Alaska, and I was in the van with the guys from Helmet from the airport, and mm -hmm. Paige, the singer, told me a story about being on the set of the Jerky Boys movie. How 
I don't know if you remember when the stuff starts shorting out because because the, the guys wire it wrong. Um, remember, like the yeah. the guitar had a spark and a rocket went almost hit him in the eye and he jumps back like jumps back and they used that take, but like people were afraid that he was going to lose his eye and sue them. But that was a f- story. He said that that was like not meant to happen. But and that's why in the movie he looks like he's in pain. <laughs> so, dude, it's crazy. Th- that movie. That movie. I want. I seriously. I want. Uh, I want somebody, maybe the people who do the podcast, how did this get made? I want a retrospective on... That would be good. I want a retrospective on the Garbage Pail Kids movie, and I want a retrospective on uh, the Jerky Boys movie. How the hell it got made, I want to know. I mean, it's one of the most fascinating, horrible movies to to go back and rewatch. They were capitalizing on it. It was a moment. They were riding the wave, and good for them, right? I think that might have been the first mullet I ever saw, back when Johnny rocked the mullet. That movie still is one of my favorites because of just the moment in time i've seen it a lot i bought it on 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 itunes movies you know you've got you've got yeah. uh uh vincent pastor a young vincent pastor anthony lapeglia i think was in that um you had like a, a really good cast of people in there it really was yeah. a, it really is a movie made for for 13 year old boys in the 90s that's it really is it holds up like a 13 year old kids movie alan arkin ernie lazaro and he's got academy award not for Jerky Boys movie though. <laughs> if I ever get up to the Upper Peninsula, I'd love to come visit you. I would love to. I would love to see you too, man. I'd love to meet your wife. I'd love to hear all the stories that I and all the answers to the questions that I have for you. Well, if you ever do your podcast, I'll be your first guest. If you want, I'd be honored to. It's a deal. Cool. Virtual virtual elbow. Boom. Ball. Yeah, we gotta do it. Good luck with all the <laughs> with all the sanitation. The sanitization. Likewise, man. You're you're not doing any shows or anything, are you? I had one canceled, and uh, my next show is Philly at the end of June, so I'm good. Hopefully, you know okay. what I'm saying. Like my, our tour ended the end of February. We were so lucky. If we get up to Upper Peninsula, you're on the list. Absolutely, I will. That's a show I, I can guarantee you. At this point in my life, I will make. That'd be easy. Try and bring. It, it, it bring bring MC Chris with you and bring Action Bronson and hey, I'll bring everything else. What a lineup! <laughs> All right, bring man. Bam Bam. <laughs> That'd be tight. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds like a plan, buddy. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Doug. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Um. Yes. I was wondering if you had uh, Marilyn Manson there. Which one were you looking for? Anyone. We do stock them, yes. You do? Do you have any bootlegs? Not at the moment, no. Oh, you don't? Uh, Do you get a lot of requests for them, or because I know they're kind of satanic in that? Is is there a specific piece you're looking for? Because I'm not here to make more Oh, I just wanted to know if a lot of people bought it. No, I was looking. Very popular. The latest album is in the top 30 on the Billboard charts. Beyond that, I can't help wow. give you any idea of what they are, who they are, or what they're doing. Okay, I was looking for a bootleg called Monkey Massacre. That's not something that I have, no. All right, thanks anyway. Bye. Good afternoon, Ken Law Music. When nobody knows me, better. How can I help you? Um, yeah, hi. Um, I was, you know the Jerky Boys, right? Yeah. Okay, in the humor section, my friend was telling me that there's a new prank call CD that's similar to him, and he said it's funny, it's called Latrine, the left side tips, and he told me that it was out in stores, but I wanted to see if you guys had it, could you maybe check and see if you have it for me? I mean, have it, or... You're gonna have to repeat that, I can't understand. What what, what were you looking for? Uh, It's an album in the humor section, it's called Latrine, 
the left side tapes. Okay, hold on a second. Okay. No, I'm sorry, I don't see anything. Oh, okay, I'm sorry to waste your time then. That's okay, thanks. All right, take care. You too, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Yeah, I uh, just moved here. Okay. And I'm only 17. I was wondering, is there an age limit I have to get in there? Yeah, 17's too young. Sorry, man. Why? Oh, because oh, you serve alcohol, Matt? What's that? You serve alcohol or something? Or? Yes, we do. Oh, but do you have, like, DJs in there and that? Or? No, we have a band. Oh, man. How old that to be? You have to be 21, sir. All right, thanks a lot, man. Right, Rock on. Yeah, I was wondering if you had a band that I, that you could play on the air. It's a CD. What'd you say? I can't. I didn't understand you. What? I'm sorry. I'm looking. I want to hear a uh, a band, a song by this band called Horus. What's the name of the band? Horus. Spell it. H O R R I S. I don't know if you'd have. I wanted to see if you had it because it was kind of, I, I guess, underground. You could say. Okay, I'll take a look and see if we have anything. All right. If you can, I'd like to hear um, Gas Man. It's a good song. Yeah, thank you. Chinese kitchen. Yes, I was wondering if you were hiring. Hello? Hello? I was wondering if you were hiring. Hello? May I And I was wondering if you're hiring, if you guys have any job, I mean job applications? Uh, no, we don't, we're not hiring right now. Oh, okay, well, thank you anyway. Bye. Bye. Um, hi. Uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that you guys got a great show. I'm a following fan and a listener. Oh, wow, that's great. Uh, I was wondering, I, I feel kind of foolish, but is there any way that, is there, like, a way I can get autographs for that by DJs? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, why don't you, I don't know, I don't know what the policy is, but, um, if you want, uh, you can direct that, uh, question and any, anything, um, like that to, um, to the regular business office. Uh, you know, it's kind of a uh, short staff on the weekend, so uh, I don't know what the policy is on stuff like that. You know, we're flattered, though, to hear that. Well, I, I mean, I'm a loyal fan. When I get to school in the morning, I'll turn the car on and I'll listen to Bob and Sherry. Afternoon, I mean, I listen to the afternoon show around 2 o'clock. I'm a loyal fan. Uh, Kurt's great. Um, but that would be the best bet. Um, I'll uh, make mention of it, but uh, I don't know what they, you know... No, I don't know if they've ever had a question like that posed, but um, we'll find out, okay? Okay, and I had uh, one more question. Can I request a song? Yeah, what's that? Uh, you don't, could you play like Gary Newman? Say who? Gary Newman. I can't quite understand that. Can you play Gary Newman from like the, the guy from the 80s who sings Cars? Oh, oh, say, okay. Sick. Huh? Wait a second. Uh, speak away from the phone a little bit. Okay. Um... Could you play Gary Newman the song Cars? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll try. Okay, you take care of yourself. All right, thanks. All right, All right bye. Bye. Wow. Special. Fun. Great memories. That was a very fun podcast to edit and listen to. Next week, we have the Beavis and Butthead Collector, my man Sean from upstate New York, who I reconnected with at an Aquabat show. He has a very popular Instagram with rare Beavis and Butthead merchandise, and he's starting a podcast. But he is like a huge Beavis and Butthead historian, South Park historian, noise musician. 
And I love talking to this dude. So tune in next week for that. Patreon.com slash MCLars. Spider-Man track. Dr. Strange track. The Bible LP is dropping. I love you all. You all mean a lot to me. Let me tell you what's happening during the week. The podcast drops today, Monday, of course. Tomorrow, 27th Street, Tuesday. Wednesday, typically I'll try to drop something on YouTube. Thursday, throwback Thursday. Like last week I showed something from my John Brown uh, biopic, Me Burning the Confederate Flag, Holler. Uh, Friday, Freestyle Friday. And then I'll try to drop something on Spotify. Saturday, we're chilling, but the Mount Nerdcore streams are coming back. Sunday is Sunday Switch Day. That's what's up. Let's see if I can keep up with this deluge of content in the quarantine. I see, I'll see y'all later. Have a good week. Thank you. And oh, thanks for everyone for your Father's Day wishes. It was my first Father's Day. And I got to hang out with Atlas. Got to have some crepes. Got to have some sushi. Got to go jogging. Got to play Doom for an hour and a half on Twitch. It was freaking a great Father's Day. Got to hold my little boy while he screamed in my ear for 20 minutes. <laughs> Shout out to Ash Wednesday. She's the greatest mom ever, and I love her to death, and I am very grateful for our time with this little guy. Okay, see you all next week. Beavis and Butthead Collector. Peace. Oh, by the way, Samsi Lars.